You're listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director here at Film at Lincoln Center. This week, we'll have a conversation with Martin Scorsese from the 57th New York Film Festival, our On Cinema conversation with Scorsese and Festival Director Kent Jones. But before we get to that, I'm here with my colleague Dan Sullivan from our programming department. Welcome, Dan. Welcome back. Good to be here. Before we get to Scorsese, we're going to talk a little bit about Jessica Hausner. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got this retrospective coming up. It's coming up this weekend here at Film at Lincoln Center. Um, maybe the easiest way into the conversation, uh, Dan, and you've put together this uh, series with your colleagues, um, is who's Jessica Hausner? Jessica Hausner is one of the more um, intriguing uh, filmmakers to kind of emerge um, on the world cinema stage over the past uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, she's from Austria. Um, she is a, an alumnus of the, uh, the, the film, I think it's called the film Academy and not the movie, the film Academy Vienna, um, sort of a well-known, um, film school there. And she, uh, made something of a splash, uh, on the festival circuit with her, uh, 2011 breakout film Lords, um, and since then, she's gone on to uh, make uh, a couple more s- sort of um, uh, feature films that got a lot of attention, um, particularly her latest uh, film, uh, Little Joe, which is uh, sort of the occasion for doing this retrospective. And it's going to be released in uh, December by Magnolia Pictures. But that film was one of the uh, most uh, discussed, uh, kind of fixated upon uh, features in the competition at Cannes this year. And uh, the film star, Emily Beecham, uh, won the Best Actress uh, prize in the competition. And uh, yeah, we figured Little Joe, the impending release of Little Joe is as good an excuse as any to um, sort of go back and look at uh, Jessica's body of work uh, to date. So um, maybe just give us a little bit of uh, background on that body of work. Um, tell us about um, maybe the number of films that she's made. And is there also kind of something or what is it about uh, her approach that is distinctive? What what distinguishes a, a film as a Jessica Hausner movie? If, if there are qualities you can. Yeah. Detail? Well, I mean, one of the exciting things about her work is that it's it's uh, you know, it's relatively small. She hasn't been around for uh that long but um but it's already a very uh, eclectic uh exciting uh body of work um i mean she has a you know she has a, a handful of short films but um she has i believe little joe i believe is the fifth her fifth feature um and each film is in my mind quite unlike all the others um she has a very interesting uh, approach to uh, genre, film genre, and how that um, sort of relates to uh, film style, film form, and so on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this latest film, Little Joe, is you know sort of science fiction horror film, but it looks like 
um, you know, a, like a Prada campaign or something. <laughs> and it has these amazing, uh, you know, really, really uh, droll, uh, really funny uh, performances at the heart of the film. So it's, it, you know, it's that I think Little Joe alone kind of uh, encapsulates the uh, the sort of eclectic, um, you know, interesting uh, combination of elements at work uh, in her in her uh, in her of to date um, the, her previous film, but then you know, like her previous uh, film Amor Fu was uh, a period film, you know, nineteenth century um, sort of you know romantic in the like capital R uh, sense. Um, a uh, story that was, you know, uh, sort of blackly comic um, uh, about the uh, romantic trials and tribulations of the of the German writer Heinrich uh, von Kleist, of course, wrote the Marquise of O. And um, yeah, her films all sort of engage with questions about sort of the possibility of uh, the supernatural and the miraculous uh, and how that kind of... Um, how what you know sort of like what the tension is between these ideas that in some ways kind of help us to make sense of our reality and how they they sort of come into conflict with the actual um sort of banal everydayness of reality as we actually live it so something like that and uh jessica will be here uh, with us this weekend to present a couple of films and and talk about them Mm -hmm. um this friday at seven we have a sneak preview of little joe you're talking about and a conversation a q a that will also include uh the actress emily beecham um and she'll be back on saturday evening Mm -hmm. for a conversation uh, along with uh, the film lordis lord yeah and then um she's actually she's going to um, stick around on Friday night after little Joe and introduce her first film or her first feature rather uh, lovely Rita uh, 2001 mm-hmm. um, should be uh, pretty cool. Um, and on Saturday after Lords uh, she'll um, she's going to stick around again and she's going to introduce uh, Amor Fu. Um, so this should give a pretty nice, uh, uh, a pretty nice um, sort of look at you know the, the whole of her body of work uh, to date and I should note that we, uh, we're screening a, a number of these films on 35 millimeter including Lovely Rita and um, and uh, Hotel her second feature and in addition to those features we're going to have a shorts program uh, uh, two of her two of her short films, Flora and Interview, on Sunday. Um, It's a really rare opportunity. And what's more, um, we are going to show uh, an installation piece uh, that she made called Toast. Um, It's going to be looping uh, for free in our amphitheater on Friday and Saturday. I think the hours are noon to 10. And that, uh, I think that that video will be... um, will feel kind of familiar to people who have seen like Chantal Ackerman, Jean Dielman, uh, but it's, uh, but it's sort of, it's in, it's resolutely in Jessica's style and um, uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's, um, 
the work of Jessica Hausner here at Film at Lincoln Center this coming weekend. Folks who are listening in can get more information at filmlink.org, information and tickets. Um, and hopefully you'll check it out. Thank you very much, Dan Sullivan. My pleasure. And now let's uh, switch gears and take a listen to the conversation from the 57th New York Film Festival, our annual On Cinema event with Martin Scorsese. It's Martin Scorsese in conversation with festival director Kent Jones. And you'll find that they um, not only talk about a number of uh, films and clips that Scorsese presented, um, but also... um, they discussed a pair of Hugo Haas features, an Ari Aster film, Hereditary, and even Joanna Hogg's uh, Archipelago. So let's go now to that conversation from the 57th New York Film Festival. A film uh, called know. Bait by Hugo Haas, who was a, a Czech-born right. director from a Jewish family, trained as an actor, started directing films. Uh, he started on stage, started directing films in uh, the 30s continued acting, went to Hollywood after he, was, he, he had to flee the country. His brother uh, was, died in Auschwitz, <laughs> um, was a composer. Um, and he, uh, a lot of you probably know his work as an actor, or some of you might know his work as an actor. Um, he was in Jacques Turner's first A film, Days of Glory. He was in King Solomon's Mines, right? King Solomon's Mines, yes. Private the, Affairs of Bellamy by Private Affairs Lewin. of Bellamy, which is, um, um, Great movie. Yeah, Art, uh, Albert Lewin. Albert yeah. Lewin. And um, then he started directing a series of films that would be, what would you say? That, that they would be kind of like placed in the noir category now. Yes, in, in noir, and you'd, you'd see Columbia. I think he had a deal at Columbia for a little while. And Columbia was apparently a place called Gower Gulch and uh, yeah. uh, Gower Street. It was yeah. known for its uh, e- economic filmmaking. Which yeah. means you had nothing. Yeah, yeah. You get um, two dollars. Yeah. One. So, right. um, but but the thing about Haas is always interesting to me because, as uh, I this is fifty. What is bait? Is about? Let me just give me a second. Here. Is bait fifty six? Bait is fifty four. Fifty four. So I was twelve when I saw this. Yeah. And uh, these films, uh, you know, were uh, the second bottom half of a double bill, etc. And invariably, there were his pictures. Yeah. And so he made a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, he made a lot. The thing about it is that um, uh, he did have a chance at, at a couple of bigger budget films, particularly Lizzie, Lizzie with Eleanor Parker. Mm-hmm. That was the Three Faces of Eve genre. Hmm. Lizzie, and but it he, interestingly enough for me, Haas, the the work he did, um, he was better when he had no money. Yeah, really. Yeah, uh, it was purer, uh, pure in the sense that it was more essential. And um, he's forced into invention. He was forced into invention. Yeah. Mm. The key about him, and I, it's an interesting thing. Eastern European, uh, coming out of the Austro-Hungarian uh, Empire culture, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. Uh, yet, I, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to talk about because I don't know if you could say they they're really good films. I think they're good art. Yeah. Um, in that, I always felt that these these films over the years. Uh, stayed with me. And then when I saw them again, I found aspects of them to be very, very interesting, uh, particularly um, the obsession. Yeah, which w- w- which is something that's yeah. Should we mention deep into Cleo? the next film. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cleo Moore. Cleo Moore, yeah. The thing about it is that um, uh, you have to understand the early 50s, uh, it isn't like now, it isn't like our, you know, basically... It, 
pornographic society. Everything's yeah. out, you know, yeah. so you see everything. These were implications thereof that got into the local theater. And to a certain extent, like the lurid, um, uh, there was the beginning of the paperbacks. There were some in color, some weren't, but they were lurid. And, mm. and, and uh, they had its own aesthetic and had its own truth, which was just part of human nature, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah. uh, these films fit into that category. They weren't elaborate at all. Yeah. They were always the same story. Yeah. Um, and uh, the same story involved uh, this actress, Cleo Moore, mm. uh, who was a blonde, uh, with a quote, blonde bombshell, unquote, from the early 50s. Uh, this was, uh, uh, there was a series of, of these uh, actresses who were in line with, uh, they were less less well-known or B-list or whatever yeah. B-films of Monroe, okay? Of, yeah. uh, Mamie Van Doren. Mamie Van Doren, yeah. Joy Lansing, yeah. uh, we got a few here. Um, oh, Diana Doors from England, oh, that was, that was something. Was Barbara boy, Nichols yeah. was a damn good actor. Yeah. Um, Jane Mansfield, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cleo was one of them, actually, mm -hmm. in a way. Um, and so uh, he made a number of films before he started making films with Cleo. But when he made the, the five films with Cleo, uh, Cleo Moore. Strange Fascination is the first. Strange, fasc strange Fascination is the first. <laughs> and it's almost like a, a pulp sex book yeah. in a way. And what this is is that somehow these stories with Haas, the stories of the older man, heavy, you'll see in, in the clip, uh, falling. It's like the Blue Angel, basically. And each film... Yes was pretty much the same. That's the template, the Blue yeah, Angel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Each one was, it was the, the woman. Uh, he falls for the woman. Uh, it's set up against him. Uh, ultimately, it's his downfall to a certain extent. Most of the pictures. There's always another younger man. Uh, and it's a strange, almost, um, it's a pal palpative um, sense of sexuality. It's real, and you could feel it between the two of them. Yes. And you could also feel whatever that sexuality, however it expressed itself, whether it was S&M, humiliation, uh, anything uh, uh, that was on the uh, wonderfully kind of crazy side, seamy side, and there was being played out on the screen mm. in the act of making a film. Yeah. It's genuine, it's real, uh, and... Uh, I, it's almost like a kind of ritual that they were that they were yeah, involved in. Yeah, and it kind of dovetails ritual. with Jim Thompson's novels. Some of Jim, it kind of dovetails with some of Jim Thompson's, Jim Thompson's novels, novels yeah. of the period. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe we should look at that clip. Let's look at that clip. Strange this is, fascination. Well, strange fascination. By this point, you've got to just give a little quick rundown of why. Yeah, that he's this a is pianist. towards the end. He's a concert pianist who's 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 highly regarded, and he's sponsored by a woman uh, of about his age, right? Who yes. Brings him over to the United States, and you know, while he's here, she sponsors him for a while. But then he takes up with Cleo Moore, who's a a, a, a dancer. Um, he's he's a classical. Uh, he's a classical pianist. pianist, and she's a dancer who has works nightclub act with a guy that they and they split up, and then she she marries him, and then they kind of participate in each other's mutual downfall in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'll, yeah. Uh, and uh, this scene is um, uh, where she's trying to, I think... A uh, couple scenes together. A couple of scenes together. You, you'll get a sense of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and through the um, energy of uh, the need, the obsession to work this out on, uh, in public, on screen, yeah. uh, you'll see how it expresses itself in terms of performance and camera and 
and cinema, yep. really. Okay, yeah. let's run this clip. Uh, and that's the essence of it. Yeah. yeah, and there are a few threads that we want to pick up here. And, yes. And, and, and uh, you just mentioned uh, Dostoevsky. And oh, yeah. In, in a way, Life Lessons. Very close yes. to, yeah, the film. Life Lessons, a film, uh, the short film I made in, uh, for the, the omnibus picture, uh, New York Stories. And it's based on uh, Anna Polina, her diary. Uh, she was about 22 or 23 years old, a student yeah. of Dostoevsky's. He was about 53. And basically, we took everything from, her, from that diary and updated it. You know, Richard Price, we wrote it. And, um, and his fascination, his need for uh, this relationship, which was doomed from the start. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it's a very, uh, the fetishism of it, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even the framing here with her, with with her shoe yeah. and her hair and his face here. Yeah. I mean, part of this thing is it's, it, it's much more than what we could talk about now, but. Um, it's interesting to see how the art it's, is genuine yeah. and seeps through um, some of the most tawdry uh, material, uh, lack of funds, uh, things that you know younger filmmakers say, oh, I can't do this, I need this. But these people did it yeah. one way or the other. And I think that was had a lot to do with pure obsession, sexual obsession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I don't see how... How many more of these? They made five films together. Yeah. In 52, this was Strange Fascination, this is the first one. Then One Girl's Confession, 53. <laughs> Thy Neighbor's Wife, in 1953, too. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was a big budget one. That was at Fox. Terrific lighting and stuff like that. And, and it, for the opening sequence has a, basically a, you know, a woman being flogged for extramarital affair in a, in a village square in, in, in uh, Eastern Europe somewhere in the 19th century. And the, uh, the, the judge, he plays the judge, and his wife, played by Cleo Moore, says, well, why don't we put the man there? Yeah. And that was 1953. I forget how it all turns out. But <laughs> yeah. The Other Woman, 1954. Bait, 1954, where you saw this extraordinarily crazy opening. Through Cedric Hardwick as the devil. Yeah. As the devil, you know? And we're watching this thing, and a bait comes up and has nothing to do with what you saw, the movie. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. That backdrop, that, that, that set that he's using, that's, you know, forget as I said, Columbia, cheaper sound stages. That is the dirtiest, like, backstage soundstage at Columbia. It's a plain wooden staircase. They bring the lights in. But he made it work with one spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, following him. Well, following Cedric Carver, coming up, and then they go into this dirty screening room. You know, yeah. it's that's basically Hollywood right there. And turn, really, I mean, because that's hard work, like a factory. You understand? Yeah. But he, uh, the, the film itself, has nothing to do with that opening. But he was trying everything to uh, uh, use, uh, I think, uh, inventive ways of expressing himself with um, um, language. Uh, and, and of course images uh, and sometimes the plots become impossible yeah. uh, they're all pretty much the same and very often the solutions uh, dramatically are uh, uh, executed in an inept way because they didn't have time for that yeah. it wasn't interesting yeah. it's about her, yeah. about him and about the younger man yeah. you know. um, and the other last I think the last one they did was Hold Back Tomorrow, 1955 yeah. um, he also uh he did a number of films before, Girl on the Bridge, Hit and Run, yeah. uh, Born to be Loved. He even did, the Born to be Loved, I think, is a musical. Mm -hmm. A, like, Z-grade music. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, 
Paradise Alley is an interesting it's film. An interesting film, where That's, he plays a filmmaker. Yes, who's trying to help a neighborhood come. A, Yes. Gain its sense of yeah. So he pretends that he's making a movie. He pretends he's, a, he's an out-of-work filmmaker. By this point, he pretty much was. Yeah. And uh, there was the um, it's a um, like a backyard of a tenement area in Los Angeles, and it's, it's musical sequence or whatever. But in any event, um, since all the people living there had acted in silent films like uh, Snub Pollard, all the real people, all the real actors um, from um, uh, Max Sennett films, rolling there, all these character actors. And I could see him that day. So why don't we all get together and make a film? Yeah, but there's no film in the camera. Right, right. He puts them, he says, let's make a film to make them feel better and what they used to do yeah. and make the neighborhood feel better. And it goes on like this. In actuality, there is no film in the camera. Yeah, and it's, it's all actually, silent cameras, right? Yeah, it's silent yeah. camera, yeah. 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 But in any event, um, I think a lot of them were at that point in time, a yeah. lot of the people in the film. I don't say it's a great film, but it's a unique uh, uh, attempt. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the interesting, that's the thing that, you know, when we first started talking about Hugo Haas, one of the, you know, you said the interesting thing is the very, very fine line between good and bad, um, between a film that works and a film that doesn't work, you know, between, you know, and that you can see it, it's really Yeah, but I don't on. know what that is. Yeah, I know. Who, who I don't know what it is. And also, uh, yeah. uh, a film that works, a film doesn't work, um, yeah. for who? We yeah. don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, this seems to be honest yeah. and genuine. Yeah. Um, as every, I know Ed Wood Jr. is much loved because of it is being genuine. But I think in terms of uh, aesthetics, Hugo Haas is, is, is yeah. more accomplished, there's For sure. no doubt. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it's just wonderful what Ed Wood did. Yeah. He just needed one take. It was great. Yeah, that's right. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Hugo Haas would go through this psychological turmoil, I think, in these films. I don't know how many days he shot these things in. And it's wonderful to see, like, Los Angeles in 1949 and 50, yep. yep. uh, B-film style. But these were the kind of pictures that were being shown, and I just thought, at one point, I always say we should, oh, we want to do it at film form, right? A Hugo Haas retro. A Hugo Haas retrospective. <laughs> That's after Bruce wants to, Bruce Goldstein Bruce said, Goldstein wants after, he wants to do Mark Sandridge first. Mark Sandridge? Did you tell me? I heard. No, no. You didn't no. tell me? No, it wasn't me. Mark McElhatton told me. Yeah. Is he yeah. here? <laughs> I said, Mark, I mean, Mark Sandwich, all right. I'm just, Hugo Haas is really on the edge. Mark you know? Sandwich. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting topic because it is the director just throwing absolutely everything that he can in order to tell the story. Yeah, um, using yeah. Using everything in his mind. heart's really in it. I think yeah. he died in 68. Yeah, he did. Cleo Moore's interesting. She grew up in Louisiana and was married to Huey Long's son That's right. for six weeks. Yui Long's son, uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, just check out the film All the King's Men, or better, you know, maybe in some cases, the, the, it's two versions. One had won the Academy Award with um, Robert, Crawford. Robert Crawford, 1949, yeah. and uh, Steve Zalian did one, yeah. and um, yeah. Gandalf, Sean Gandolfini Penn. and Sean Penn, yeah. and um, uh, it, the book is Robert Penn Warren, so it's about the danger of power, yeah. you know, about uh, a demagogue taking over yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and um, interesting, yeah. uh, it's kind of almost forgotten. Uh, in any event, it, it, it always, that, that, those films were shown in theaters all the time, All the King's Men, the original version, 49 version, it was repeated, and to the point is young people 
we said, oh, of course, that's like science fiction. That can never right. happen. You know, don't forget, it's post-World War, World War II. We're talking not 20 years, I'm talking four years. So it's very, fascism, very, very important, and uh, totalitarianism, authoritarianism, very, very important in terms of um, the psyche of the country at the time and yeah. teaching the younger people. But um, uh, she was married six weeks, which then led her six to... Six great uh, weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which then led her, led her in 1960 to uh, run for governor of Louisiana. Actually, it was kind of a PR thing, but it, people took it seriously, and it's a long story. But she was quite, she died young, too. Yep. She died young. Yeah. Um, yeah. So should we, uh, do you want to go to the next? Please, yeah, and as I say, it's interesting stuff, I and mean, certainly uh, uh, some of these things are acquired tastes, I think, you know? Well, it's not even about taste, it's about just examining what it is to make a movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, really, what does it take to make a movie, and, you know, when you, when you have very little? You use what you have. And when you have very little, you use it. But what it really takes is the the desire, and the, the desire, and the thing. compulsion, and the yeah. really, in this case, the obsession yeah. of your personal life. Yeah. Um, what do we got? Hereditary. Who? Hereditary. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the clip from Hereditary. No. <laughs> No, it's a remarkable film. Yeah. Hereditary. And a remarkable scene. Yeah. Right. Again, it was one camera, one cut and camera move, right? That yep. she stands up. Yep. Yeah. It's quite something. And the restraint in the frame is, is, of, uh, yeah. is extraordinary. I, about the whole movie, I, I, uh, these are things that, you know, I, I try to watch films. It's very hard sometimes um, to be able to find the time. Uh, and when you do something that stands out, it's amazing, yeah. you know, and this did. And I was really electrified by the dynamic of what you see uh, that's expressed in this scene. Now, there's the, the story is, I believe, uh, I've forgotten some of it, I'm sorry, but um, uh, what I didn't forget was the family, the yeah. three of them. Yeah. And that's what's important uh, in terms of this filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and these actors, they're astounding. I, I, I mean, she's like... It, it actually has a, a kind of an interesting relationship with the dinner table scene in East of Eden where they're reading the Bible. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's yeah. lit kind of the same way, Lit too. in the same way. Right. That, but the thing is that somehow the, uh, there, there's a, uh, she gets involved with a medium who's yeah. going to bring her daughter back That's at right. least, and, yeah. and they, they, they think she's losing her mind. I yes. don't know why. But she... The actual supernatural plot to it... Yeah. Uh, I remember, of course, and I remember the ending very well. But what I really think is p powerful in the film is really the family dynamic, yeah. and what this kind of a metaphor is. Yeah. This dinner sequence is, uh, is re remarkable. Um, yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about the restraint in the frame. It's also in the acting, taking the time to hold on those silences, <laughs> yeah. and that's something that I must say. And, and you know, your new movie is pretty good, oh. by the way. Yeah, but he just but started. If, but this, you know, it's he like, just started this kid. Yeah, it took me 40 yeah. years to get. There. <laughs> But that's something that, you know, is... is uh, it's about the silences, yeah, yeah. But, but you just know she's going to, it's going to, and Patrick Byrne, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's trying uh, Gabriel, to... Hold, Gabriel. Gabriel Byrne, he's trying to hold it together. Yeah. Uh, the boy is excellent. She's remarkable. By the way, if you haven't seen this thing, uh, it is a horror picture. And, and uh, 
there are sequences later. No, the death of the sister. Also death of the sister. Truly horrifying. Truly horrifying, yeah. really, in the beginning. But the real thing is the uh, sequences where she goes into his room and it intercuts with him uh, in, in flames. Somehow she's creating, uh, she's creating a, a situation where he burns up, in yeah. a sense. Yes. And the intercutting and how it's done, it's just wonderful filmmaking, yeah. really. Uh, and um, disturbing. There's yeah. no doubt. I mean, it's, it's a horror film that way, but it's more than that. Yeah, it reminds it me of the best of the horror of the Val Luton films and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't say it's made the same way, but it's elevated up to the, like, the changeling. Yeah, um, yeah. with the jerks he's you know, got. The haunting, uh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Robert Wise film, and uh, yeah. the innocence, yeah. you know. Uh, but the family intensity. The family the is really what it's about. The three of them is astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That scene is is a uh, an indication of what who they are, yeah. what that relationship is, and it, you could take the plot point out about the dead sister. It could be about him not finishing school. Yeah, and that does dovetail with, with Val Luton when he was making his movies. He said it has to work in two ways. It has to be the horror plot, and then if you took the I horror see. out, it would still work. You know, that's the idea. Of taking the horror for me, this film, uh, when you take the horror out, it still works. Yeah, right. Now the horror just is it just. The horror aspects of it, um, how should I say, uh, it, it, they shock you in a good way, yeah. I think. They shock you into a kind of uh, awakening, in a way, yeah. of, of the real pain yeah. of the, these people. Yeah. It really does. It's almost like a dream nightmares in, in the middle of the day that you're having. And so it's a very interesting thing. It is new film, Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. Ari Aster. Ari Aster. We haven't even. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Um, so the next clip, I think we should just set up a little bit. What Archipelago by oh, Joanna yeah. Hogg, who made The Souvenir, which came out this year. Amazing movie that you were producer. Yeah, um, and uh, it's and um, this was the first of Joanna's films that you saw, Archipelago, her yes. second film. Yeah. yeah. What had happened with Archipelago was that I was shooting Hugo in England, um, and uh, or, uh, it was a weekend, whatever. And I I, I uh, go back the next day to to the studio to we're shooting in three D, way behind schedule, over budget, and uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Anyway, it takes me back there, and I, okay, now I'm here. It's over. It's over. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and yet, it seems like, yeah. Just seems like a minute ago. And so, it was still a good experience, but nightmarish. Anyway. Um, a good kind of nightmare. A good kind yeah. of nightmare. And uh, I wound up, uh, somebody had sent me a DVD of a film, and saying, you should look at this filmmaker, et cetera, and I, I didn't know, uh, I don't know the person. Uh, I knew that it was a, something came through the National Film Theater, I think, or the BFI, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but we do have a, a, a kind of a communication that goes back and forth over stuff. So in any event, I put it in the machine, a big, big screen I had there, and I was watching the film for the first uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, The Isle of Skilly. Yep. These, this young man arrives visiting his family. They're, they're on a, a family vacation. Yeah. On, on a vacation, yeah. Um, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I uh, how should I put it? All done in wide shots. All extreme wide shots. Yep. Uh, landscape, interesting, but I'm trying to figure out, I'm not, am I interested in these people? And part of the issue, I think, was the, the class. Mm -hmm. Their class, yep. which is, I what? Uh, they're 
certainly upper middle class. Upper middle class English. British upper middle class, yeah. And like uh, they're expressing themselves certain ways, things like we really care what yeah. they're doing. Who are they? So I turned it off. I turned it off. So we're not going to show the clip. No, we're not showing it. <laughs> Forget it. But the thing about it was that the next day I started, I kept thinking about what I had seen. And what the hell was it? I mean, basically were wide shots of this uh, brother played by Tom, Tim, or yeah. Tom? Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, sorry, but it was his first major film. Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't, I don't tend to keep up with the, the newer actors. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know that it's your experience. I mean, me, they'll show me something. Oh, that guy is great. She's wonderful. He's, you know, that's different. But anyway, I th I'm thinking about him in the film and his sister and the mother. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the house and they, oh, it's wonderful to see you, dear. And dad will be coming soon. He's going to be calling, but dad never comes. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he, the sister takes him up to the room that he's going to be staying in. Uh, and she, he says, and she says, I hope you don't mind. This is a, uh, someone's room. I forget how, the actual dialogue. And he goes, no, 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 it's fine. This is great. And she goes, oh, you're being so cooperative. Da, 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 da. And I thought about that line, you're being so cooperative. Yeah. And it was done in a very, uh, very uh, nondescript way. It wasn't an insinuation of any kind. But if, he's, if that's cooperative, yeah. what was uncooperative with these people? Yeah. You know? And I said, well, let me see this again. And then I just couldn't. Stop watching it. Yeah. No, I remember I you, call, you, you called me and you said, you know, there's this movie, Archipelago, you realize I see it, but just beware of the first time. Beware. You, you're be not going to know what you're watching. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, 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 you know, fell in love with it. And uh, yeah. um, uh, I think, should we set up the scene in the. Well, we kind of have. Okay. <laughs> All right. We set it up. Anyway, this is another wonderful dinner scene. Yeah. It's, a great, it's another family dinner. Great. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I think, uh, you know, what's really, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, one of the cliches that turns up in discussions and, you know, cultural stuff is, is sort of like, why should we care about these characters? Because, of, you know, they're so comfortable and well off. It, it was, it's the kind of reaction that you can imagine, right? And the thing is that it's like, with, with Joanna's films, the answer is, well, she cares about them. She knows them. She yeah. knows what their life yeah. is. And that's the way that you know everybody yeah. expresses themselves. Yeah. The silences. Yes. The, the, yeah, know. and you have to be open to reading it. Yeah. Because you're from right. another culture. Yeah. You know, um, and th but there was something that I heard in the, that that line about you being so cooperative, yeah. that is really the uh, the linchpin for me of the whole movie. That yeah. made me think about it and go back and watch. Yeah. And just get involved in this. Um, Extraordinary turmoil, emotional turmoil. The mother keeps calling the father, but he doesn't. He isn't going to show up. Uh, uh, the other gentleman at the table, Christopher, is a a, a, a painter. A, a painter, and he's giving uh, painting lessons to playing, the mother. Playing himself. Playing himself. Yes. Uh, the maid or the or the cook, actually, is uh, wonderful. And the, the whole thing with Tom Hiddleston. He he uh, has an affair with her, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's the real cook. Yeah. Yeah, not an actor. So, but the others are actors. It's a, it's a very interesting piece. And I, I again, like who cares about these people that are well off? Well, maybe there's still something that's human. Yeah. Uh, that we can identify or not identify, but we care about. Yeah. You know, and get over our own uh, intolerance. Yeah. Uh, in any event, um, uh, I was taken by the picture, so moved by it. Um, 
And I'm glad you kept in the one shot of the uh, landscape. Uh, because in the daytime, the landscape scenes are quite something, and it's kind of a craggy island, mm. craggy, and you could feel that salt water on your face, and just imagine I have, I have asthma, I'll die immediately if I ever go there, you know? <laughs> and uh, I forget it, and he said, they're blustery, as they say, you yeah. could just sense the, the moors, so to speak, I don't, not there, but... Not there, but... Yeah, in any event, what fascinated me about this was that somehow, the landscape itself reflects the people, and the people reflect the landscape. Yeah. And I guess that may be true of all cultures, in a way, and, and how environment and, and uh, 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 the uh, environment, uh, not just, in, uh, but the actual structure of the land, the, the, the way, uh, you know, whether it's desert, whether it's forest, whether it's uh, 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 tundra or something, actually affects thinking and affects your emotional and psychological uh, uh, expressions, yeah. oh, and so you get into a situation where there's what in where in Scandinavia doesn't it get only one day a year it gets the sun? Oh, Jesus! That's one really day? far. That's yeah. really far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can imagine you people go. might get depressed. Yeah, well, uh, but I found that over the years too. I found that for me, I grew, I grew up in the nighttime basically, and uh, for many different reasons, and. Oh, well, yeah, it just it was quieter, and I got all the work done and stuff, whatever. In any event, um, I think in only in the past tw 20 years or so, 15 years, I started to look at the daylight. Yeah. Um, and since I had that eye operation. It's pretty good. No, I know. Since I had the yeah. eye operation, I said, yeah. the sun in the morning makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? You know? Yeah. But uh, it still means, uh, it doesn't mean I don't work at night. I do. But, uh, but the morning, I feel, when it comes up, sometimes it's dark and it's dingy and it's, it does a terrible depression. Yeah. Uh, and this landscape is like that. These people come out of that. Yeah. And it has to be controlled. It's wild. It still goes back to animism yes. in a way. It really does. Um, fascinated by, by well, that. It's interesting because it's, it also, uh, you can see a real parallel with, there's a real tradition in, in, in movie making that really begins with, with Voyage to Italy by Rossellini. Oh yes, you know, Voyage to yeah, where yeah, that's yeah. the movie that really you know sets the tone right. for people being affected by the landscape. By the landscape, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. by Naples and by uh, by Puteoli and all of that, and yeah. that extraordinary film, that beautiful, yeah. beautiful film. Yeah. Um, it, no, it, she's amazing, John. I just I didn't know her, and then I didn't realize I didn't realize uh, uh, who made the picture. Yeah. And the name came up, Joanna Hogg. I had no idea. It was man, woman? Yeah. What? I didn't know nothing, and so. Um, and it's so great if you could see films that way and not know who did it, yeah. and then find out. Yeah. So you could look at it as art in and, for, in and of itself, for itself, yeah. if it affects you. If it doesn't, okay, you know. Yeah. But in any event, uh, she, um, I got to meet her a little bit, and, and um, I think uh, I saw a rough cut of Exhibition, yeah. and she did that. Yeah, which is uh, something. Quite unique film. It turns out that she was a still photographer yeah. for a while. And I love her framing. Uh, this picture has, oh yeah, it's an incredible moment where everything is very languid, very quiet. He's talking to the chef and they're putting lobsters in the pot and he doesn't want to hear the lobster scream. And it's, it's a wonderful one angle uh, conversation they have. Uh, later in the picture, um, it's the exterior of the uh, cottage that they're in. And I think he rides up on a bicycle and he puts the bicycle against... Um, the uh, uh, the railing, and he goes in the house. And his relationship with um, the the chef or the cook 
is, is getting more intense. And when I mentioned that moment to Joanna Hogg, she goes, oh, that's the uh, sexual move. <laughs> yeah. now, she didn't maybe use that word, I'm sorry, but that's what it meant, yeah. that there was a kind of uh, a move he was gonna make ahead yeah. with this woman, you know? And the, but the bison, it isn't a big deal, it's a beautiful wide shot. And what I mean by beautiful wide shot, you're thinking of 18th century English painting, yeah. landscape painting, uh, uh, maybe even genre painting, I don't know. But in any event, it, it um, uh, another scene, uh, there's dialogue, scenes happen, but there's more trouble with the mother and that sort of thing. Beautiful sequences with, uh, about two sequences with the artist, Christopher, talking about art as he's painting, talking yeah. about the color blue and the sky, and talking about whether, whether uh, uh, Tom should go to a, a kind of a art school. Yeah, and he's just endlessly fretting. I, didn't, I just don't know what to do. Should I go to Africa? And the painter says, I think he should really toughen up a little. Toughen up a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got to be able to take the criticism and that sort of thing. It's very beautifully done. And you don't realize it at first. You say, well, this son of a bitch is good, you know? <laughs> and and, and this, the thing that really did it it just cuts, and you're in the forest, and you hear this sound, and the beaters are coming through. Yeah. The beaters are coming through, and they're on a hunt. And it was something out of the, the ancient world, yeah. and shot like a uh, great painting. You know? yeah. uh, and I think of uh, the beaters and uh, Rules of the Game. Yeah, right, beating the rabbits out. Yeah, beating the rabbits. Yeah, beating the rabbits. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, it takes its time, too. You say, what does that sound? Where are those people? And I guess in a certain society, and maybe that world, you, they know immediately, but I was mystified by it mm -hmm. in that way, and then I realized how much that, uh, how much that affects. And, and then uh, we, um, we, we checked in over the years, and then uh, she asked that I come on board on uh, the souvenir, yeah. and uh, also souvenir part two, which is finished shooting right now. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, we've got, you know, the thing is, we're almost running out of time because there's a six o'clock show. We've got five minutes. We six o'clock show? What? <laughs> we're here. Pedro Almodovar, you know, we designed our oh, poster. Pedro. We got to, you know. <laughs> Gort. <laughs> we were going to do a clip from Sierra Nevada by Christy Puyu. Oh, that guy. Yeah, God. Which we showed in the film festival a few, you know. Whoa, I mean, that, he did Death of Mr. Lebarescu. Right? Death of Mr. Lebarescu and Aurora. And Aurora I haven't seen yet, but uh, I'm waiting. But this Sierra Nevada thing is over three hours. Yeah. Camera's in the hallway of an apartment and this thing goes on with the family. Camera just pans back and forth. Yeah. And at first you're saying, uh, you know, uh, but uh, knowing that it's a ride um, through culture and through uh, uh, family relations again on so many different levels, so many generations, and it's done so beautifully. Yeah. Uh, it, it's done so. Uh, it's like a ballet of doors yes. opening and closing. Doors and opening, closing. People come. Somebody having a nervous breakdown space. here. People coming in. A yeah. priest coming in and blessing the table. I. It's a yeah. remarkable. And then thing. the priest is done. He's like, "Can I use the bathroom?" Yeah. The priest. <laughs> yeah. And we were, so the clip, you know, the thing is, it's like you, you show a clip from it and it would have gone on for like... No, the, the clips go on for... <laughs> it's it's a, like, where do you start and where hours. do you stop? Because yeah. it's all very continuous. Because it all is continuous yeah. and kind of shocking at times yeah. in terms of the, the, or in terms of the, 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 the relationships yeah. and, and what's being said yeah. uh, and how they're all trying to make sense of anything yeah. in life. It's almost you like know? a microcosm. Of, a microcosm, of, yeah. And then yes. we, we were also going to, I think we're just... Yeah. yeah, we can't. Yeah. We were going to do a clip from from the Fifth Horseman. The is Fifth Fear. Horseman is Fear. That thing. The Czech movie from yeah. from 1968 and pitifully. Yeah. 
we have to resort to, you know, looking. Who are you calling? No, I'm not calling you. What the hell is he making a phone call? We're up here. It's six o'clock. People are coming in. Come on. <laughs> These kids. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, look, this guy, Brynjic, Brynjic, it's, I'm sorry, I have very um, difficult with the Slavic. Uh, uh, These kids, I put my glasses on. Okay, yeah. yeah. What do you got? Spinik Brynjic. Yes. Yes. This film I saw a couple of years ago, and I was, uh, I, I, that along with Vlasil, uh, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Marquette Lazarova and um, Valley of the Bees, and suddenly it opened up in this hall here, uh, years ago, watching the Czech New Wave films, and um, in a way, I sort of missed it at the time. Yeah. And right. uh, the past 10 years or so, it's changing, and something else is happening. So I was talking about more to discover in cinema. Maybe it's more discovering about yourself, but one way or the other, it's a discovery, and it's quite enriches your life. But this film, uh, uh, and, and who is the production designer? So the production designer is someone who we actually did, um, and, and the screenwriter, co-screenwriter, um, is uh, Esther Krumbachova. And um, there was a retrospective of her work that, that Dennis Lim programmed uh, earlier in the year at, at the Film Society. Uh, sorry, Film at Lincoln Center. Um, and um, she, was in, she was a real linchpin of the Czech New Wave. I mean, she was involved in, in so many movies uh, and then made... Yeah, including Daisies by Vera Chikova. Daisies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then she was um, married cut off from making movies. Yeah, was she married to Jerry Mensel? Too, yes. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Jan Nemec. Jan Nemec and Diamonds of the Night. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Diamonds true. of the Night. Yeah. But uh, she was uh, apparently taken out because of um, a communist uh, yeah. uh, blacklist. Yeah, yeah, pending the uh, offending the party. But yeah. her production design, this guy, yeah. and this Fifth Horseman is fear. Uh, this whole thing of uh, the confiscation of all the um, um, all the. Um, possessions of the Jewish uh, community in uh, whatever city they're in, in Czechoslovakia, and him being part of the warehouse, and then trying to get morphine to help somebody because he's really a doctor. This thing, talk about a sense of fear, is remarkable. Um, and it's due for uh, restoration, this picture, and their work. So a strange uh, fascination, because you could see the channel number on the... Oh, really? Number. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, but that's Sorry the best that. element there is. You know? But So look, I mean, um, you. this is it for you. This is the last uh, festival? Yeah. Okay. But, you well, know, I'm going to... I wanted you to say that. How many years? Seven. Running Seven. The festival. Seven years. And I, I want to make it clear that, that in, in 1963, when this festival started, I couldn't afford the tickets, but it was, <laughs> it was the most remarkable thing to happen in New York. Um, even though we had the... Uh, the um, uh, you know, uh, repertory theaters and art theaters and that sort of thing. Um, didn't matter. This was an extraordinary thing. Uh, Richard Browd, Amos Vogel, all of them. Um, then through Richard Pena. But there was something about the excitement of those first years that I only felt again when you took uh, the uh, uh, when you took the, the reins here. Um, and it, again, it's something that uh, uh, the cinema as cinema. Uh, over, as I say, as something genuinely, uh, genuinely is the wrong word, but the idea of does the picture work for you, does the visual medium work for you as a work of art, does it move you, uh, aside from social issues or uh, political issues, um, and even those to be considered too um, in different levels. Uh, but it's a real love of cinema, and that was expressed here with you 
and your uh, guidance during this time. So go, go make some movies. Well, it's... it's I, I, <laughs> You've been listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Film at Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City and supported by individuals just like you. For 50 years, we've been dedicated to supporting the art and elevating the craft of cinema and enriching film culture through the programming of festivals, series, retrospectives, and new releases. The publication of Film Comment, the presentation of podcasts, talks, and special events, the creation and implementation of artist initiatives, and our film and education curriculum and screenings. To learn more about what we do and support Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org. That's F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C dot org.